It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. The Grinch then thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Welcome to the junk drawer. Is it on the Google Doc? Uh we're, We're not done with this is, Samurai. This is cocktail. This is a Samurai pod now. This is Samurai pod. Can you put your kimono you away? On set, when they had all the texts, they were like, literally had to tell NATO, by the way, this is for a movie. Which also seems NATO like the easiest cover-up to start a war. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I do know plants pretty well, but I don't think if you dropped me, I would be like, that's a cocaine plant. Like, what is he, a botanist on the side? Because <laughs> we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the junk drawer. I will be your host for this cinematic journey. My name is Bryce Howell. I will be joined by two co-hosts today. They are Mario Arico. Say hello, Mario. Hello, Mario. And my friend Cole Brown. Hey, hey, hey. I answer without being told to. Very nice, very nice. He literally told you to. Yeah. <laughs> so today we are continuing our string of Christmas-themed pods. Christmas. Um, I teased it a little bit last week on our Christmas vacation episode, but today we are doing my favorite Christmas movie, so it shows you I'm already a little bit biased on my ratings. Uh, we're going to do the 2000 edition of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That is the Jim Carrey Grinch. Um, there's been a number of editions of this story. Uh, it is based off of a book from 1957 by the great Dr. Seuss. Not uh, a real doctor. Not an actual doctor. Pediatrician. Right. No. Not also not. I mean, he's a practicing medical physician. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, he would give kids eggs and ham, and they that would be their medicine. And so they're like, you should. Literally, none of this is correct so yeah, far. Well, so he's like Patch Adams. <laughs> that uh, that book was Sam Adams adapted into a uh, thirty-minute Christmas special in uh, the nineteen sixties, um, and then nothing was done with it for a long time until two thousand when we got this version, and then more recently we got a new version, which we will not be discussing Pretty tonight. Sucked. Um, well, Wait, the know. cartoon is only a half hour? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. It's actually Cable 20, really stretches it. 25 minutes, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They really get to the point. Um, so, Corporate wet blankets. So, as always, to start, we all watch the movie, and we're going to give our personal reviews and ratings of this Grinch movie. Um, we're going to go from a scale of 0 to 100 based off of the Metacritic scale. A 0 being a worst possible movie, 100 being the best possible movie, 50 being a perfectly average movie. So, uh, Mario, we'll start with you. What did you think of the 2000 version of The Grinch? So, when I was watching this movie, similar to the other Christmas episodes we've done, I have analyzed them differently knowing that it's a Christmas movie and you watch it one time a year to enjoy in the Christmas festivities and the Christmas season, etc., etc. I love the story of the Grinch. Um, it has a really, really good message, uh, which holds true now as I've gotten older. I think the commercialism, commercialization of Christmas is kind of really taken away from the holiday really it represents. Um, so going into the movie, I had a really positive outlook. 
on it, and uh, I hate to do this to you, Bryce, because you love you it so much. You hate every movie I pick, so I'm not, like, surprised. <laughs> I think it is a slightly below average Christmas movie. I think there are parts that are tough to watch. Um, there are parts that are really, really good where they stick to the source material. When they go off and do their own thing, I don't really like it. Um, I'm going to give it a 49%. Okay. Just below average. All right. Cole? I am probably on the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, I mentioned that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is the movie I watch every year. I watch this movie probably every year as well. There's more of a tradition in A Christmas Vacation, but this might be a flawless Christmas movie. Um, there, Ooh, hot take. There is very little I find wrong with it and very much I find with great excitement behind it. Um, so maybe I'd put a a personal rating in the context of a Christmas movie, I'd put it in like the range of like 95, 96, somewhere around there. If I'm just giving a rating based on just general movie, maybe somewhere closer to like the 78 range, something like that. But it is high when it comes to Christmas for me. Yeah. Um, so like I said, this is my favorite Christmas movie. So I know when we play closest to the pen, I'm taking the L today. I don't mind. I love this movie. Uh, like Cole said, and Mario's compliments as well, that I think that the message is timely and, and relevant and all that good stuff. I also think, <clears throat> I don't know, if it, it's probably the main thing that carries this movie for me, is I think, and this is for sure a hot take, but I think this might be Jim Carrey's single best performance in any movie ever. Mm. Like, he is such a unique actor. He's zany and wild and weird. And so, like, it's, like, the best combination of his natural comedic talents with a role. Um, so, all that to say, I love this movie. I think every single line that Jim Carrey utters in this movie is hysterical, comedy gold. Um, and so, I know I'm too high, but I personally have this movie rated at an 85 out of 100. Um, similar to kind of what Cole said, like, <clears throat> I recognize that it's not a flawless movie. Like, there's a lot of small things that can be, like, fixed, but, like... It is, generally speaking, like a movie that hits every single thing that it tries to do for me when I watch it. So, um, like I said, I know I'm taking the L today on Metacritic, or on the uh, closest to the pen, uh, and that's okay. But Metacritic does have this at a 46 out of 100. Oh, I was due! Which, uh... Yeah, good for you, Mario. I was due. Um, the general consensus uh, from Rotten Tomatoes, they kind of give like a summary of Jim Carrey shines as the Grinch. Unfortunately, it's not enough to save this movie. You'd be better off watching the TV cartoon. It's exactly the critique that I had. Which, obviously, I disagree with. Um, another interesting review is CinemaScore, which we've talked about on a handful of episodes, which isn't necessarily the way we're talking about movies, but I think is just an interesting metric. They basically ask people right after they watch the movie to grade it on a scale from A to F, like the grade scale. Uh, it got an A- minus on that, which makes sense as well, especially people coming out of a Christmas movie. It has a happy ending. It's tainted score. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk about our ratings and ask, are you sure? Are you sure of your rating? You want to change it? Amend anything you said before? Um, I might be a little low because of what you said. Um, focusing on Jim Carrey's performance. I, first of all, I think he was not only the perfect or the best cast, but the perfect cast. Like, it just, he just fits the role. It's such an iconic role for him. I don't think it's his best. 
I like when he's being Jim Carrey as Jim Carrey. Like, I think Liar Liar might be my best performance for him. That's just because you're a lawyer. Or maybe Bruce Almighty. Isn't the movie called Lawyer Lawyer? Lawyer from Buffalo. Bruce Almighty. Um, but I don't know. The, one of the reasons I don't like it as much as you guys is I, I don't buy into the to the to the world as much. Like It doesn't do it for me, the Whoville stuff. Um, I only saw this movie once as a kid. I mean, I loved it as a kid, but it's not one I repeatedly went to throughout my years watching Christmas movies. What do you mean when you say you don't buy it? Like, you don't believe Whoville exists? Because we're <laughs> also on the same page with uh, that. I don't know. No, I just... I don't like the world... I don't like it that much. Like, it You're just not interested. I'm not interested yeah. in it. Like, um, I think being it made in 2000 was the perfect time for it to be made because the set pieces are great and you got a lot of those practical effects that they might have not done today. Um, but, I don't know. It's... It's fine. It's fine to watch. It's not my favorite. It's not in my top five Christmas movies, but I'd say uh, I could maybe go up a couple points. But I do think the set design is also really good. The way they build out Whoville is, is really interesting. It looks a little bit like a theme park, but I think that's yeah. a, a compliment here. Like I, It sounds like an insult. I mean, it's a compliment. Well, let me ask you this, Mario. Do you struggle with the believability of like the Avengers? Like, Does it make you <laughs> unsure like why they can fly or that's not what i meant why cap has super strength you are, you are remembering it wrong i'm just saying i do i don't love that world is, is it saying. the snowflake intro that, that okay so that's what he said that i remember thinking wow this whole fucking movie takes place on a snowflake so if it lands it's over they die well our whole existence takes place on a speck of dust in the okay. universe so. oh is that men in black callback well also just oh, real, real, really what is really um, our, our true thing I just, I don't know. I, I'm just saying I don't love it. It's kind of like, yeah. I, I like Harry Potter. I don't love that world. You're just born kind of a 30-year-old man. <laughs> Mingya, I can't with you two. Okay, I love it. We all love the movie. We're all in agreement. Perfect. Let's discuss how, I was, how great it is. There's no flaws. It's the best movie ever. I was <laughs> prepared for you to attack the feasibility of a Grinch baby surviving on his own in the wilderness. I, I'm going to touch base. I'm going to touch the Grinch baby in a little bit. You, I'm going to touch on the Grinch baby. But no, I mean, don't I, touch the Grinch baby. I like the movie. I don't know that my my rating has now changed. Like, yes, for me, the like the setting of it doesn't look in the sense like a believable world. If that's maybe what you're getting at, like it doesn't like. No, I don't like step into their world as much as like something like um, what is Avatar? Like Avatar felt like a whole uh, entirely like different Avatar. place. I liked Avatar. Uh, it felt like an entirely different place. Like it felt like I actually was like seeing something different. And here it does feel a little bit more like Bryce just said, like kind of theme parkish. But again, I also am in the category where I don't think that's a discredit. Yeah. It feels just more whimsical. Like I was actually really impressed by how significant I would think that the undertaking of a set piece this whole movie was. Like even like this isn't like me trying to toot my own horn, but I have some experience with handiwork with my dad because my dad's this master carpenter. But even just to the point that like all the doors are just like round and circular in like weird shapes. Like it's so difficult to build a working door that opens functionally correct while also being a really yeah. wonky shape. So no, I love it. Again, not what I mean. I liked the set pieces. I liked how it had that style. I'm saying Whoville and the Who's and like that world, that IP, I'm not crazy about. Mm. So I don't care to go back there and revisit all the time. Yeah. It's not like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings where that stuff I love and I could watch anything about any character. Like, this is just like, okay, I've seen it once. It's more of a Waltville for you. A what? A what? Walt. Like the opposite of who? Bill? Should, yeah. maybe, but short. Exactly. So, and like I said, like, I'm not going to lower my rating because it's my favorite Christmas movie. But also with that, like, 
I recognize, and I've mentioned on the pod before that like I kind of have this like absurdist sense of humor that I know is a little bit niche that I think the Grinch, especially Jim Carrey's parts, touch on a lot with like how weird he is being this whole movie that I find hysterical that I could understand like if certain people don't like. Like for example, the scene when he's uh, pretending to be like a director for Max the dog, it cracks me up. Like I think it's so funny when he's like explaining this role to Max and then Max just like knocks his nose off and he goes, <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> it's so funny to me. Um, but it's a weird like kind of niche humor. Um, I can, I can vibe with the take though of the Jim this like this potentially being Jim Carrey's best Jim Carrey role. I like I'll like I I don't know if this puts me on an island, but Jim Carrey is my favorite comedic actor of all time. Like there's not much that he's in in a comedic sense that I have ever watched and not enjoyed. Even like with things like Yes Man and Liar Liar, where it's kind of essentially the same premise, but I still will just watch them both with such enjoyment because I love Jim Carrey's wild physical very like out there kind of comedy right and so yeah like i i said this to Lindsay, my wife as we were watching it together last night that like i feel like this role was built for jim carrey to play and mm -hmm. obviously it existed way before him because the grinch existed way before jim carrey was born but like this was the perfect role for him to step into i can't imagine another actor stepping in and doing it as, as well as he did and you know take yeah, that as you will so uh, the next category we're going to talk about, it's a staple for the podcast, is the efficient fix. So, Mario, you kind of touched on it a little bit, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about if you had final yeah. cut privileges, what would be the quickest way to improve this movie for you? I think for me, it did feel a little long. It is an hour and 45 minutes, yeah. which is a bit long. And there's 15, for what it is. 15 minutes in particular that I can cut that I don't need. I don't need the backstory of the Grinch. I don't need to know why he hates Christmas. I just don't need it. That wasn't in the cartoon, so this was different as to the uh, live-action version. I think they spent a little too much time in his kid mode, and they gave him that love interest. Martha um, May. Yeah, Martha May. Yeah. It was just kind of. It was just weird to me, and uh, I don't know. I'd cut that. I'd cut that, and I think that fixes the movie a little bit. So I do think that's interesting because one of the staples of the original poem, and then of course the original Christmas special, which. Uh, so for those that don't know the original Christmas special is almost literally just word-for-word word the original poem like there's no extra added at all so this movie being a feature-length film adds quite a bit one of them being like Mario mentioned a backstory for the Grinch which is interesting because the poem literally says that like no one understands or no one knows for sure why the Grinch hates Christmas maybe his head's not turned on just right or maybe his heart's two sizes too small um, so it is interesting like I said, I, there's not like a big flaw for me, but it does feel like that part could just be a little bit tighter. I, I don't hate that they gave him a backstory just because I, I think it's interesting, you know, to, to basically reveal he was a Who, to give him some personal connections in Whoville. So they changed that, right? Because in the poem, he's not a Who. Well, it That's never says that he's not a Who. Because I mean, he looks <laughs> he's more of a distinctively what? different. He's more of a what? <laughs> exactly. He's different looking in the cartoon than when, how they draw the Who's. Whereas in the movie, you can tell he's the same facial features. Right. He's just covered in that hair and that green. Well, you wish. He's also not yeah. green in the original book because the original book is illustrated black and white. Oh. So. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like that part could be a little bit tighter. Um, Toit. Yeah, like I, I, I also agree that that part could have been tighter. I think the only payoff it, that it does give you is it gives you more of a 
frustration with Mayor Augustus Mayhew, uh, with him just being sort of a douche as a kid. He's an added character too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of added characters. I did like that they the, added him as like the antagonist. The, the only characters in the original poem are Cindy Lou Who and the Grinch. So everybody else is additional. Right. And so, you know, you get the payoff of like the, you know, the facial trimmer from him as a kid to him now as an adult shaving the mayor's head. Like that was, for me, that was the only payoff of all of the childhood thing that, again, I, I, I think we're all somewhat in agreement that we don't necessarily need the Grinch kid backstory to understand the Grinch more. I didn't need to know how he was hurt to still identify with his frustrations. Are we interested in the relationship between Martha Mayhew and the Grinch? No, that's weird. I don't want to see it. I don't want to think about it. I definitely am just for how weird it is. <laughs> Especially she's, with how... I mean, she's pretty hot, so good for him. She's attractive, of course, but I love how weird she is about it. Mm -hmm. Like, her, like, just... She'll do, like, things where, like, she fans herself and, like, can't look at him directly. And, so like, weird. is so, like, hot and heavy about him. It, it makes it hysterical. Like, especially when they do the cut-for-cut, cut, like, the rage, the green. And she goes, <laughs> the muscles. Yes, yeah, muscles. <laughs> um, I, I also, I wonder if y'all noticed this. Characters that are supposed to be attractive don't have the... Who knows? Did y'all notice that? So mm -hmm. I, I only noticed it on her. On, Martha uh, May Lindy and then Lou. Cindy, Cindy Lou. And Martha May also has a regular nose, not one of the oh, right. noses as well, which I thought was funny too. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think uh, we we all agree that one of the criticisms of the movie is that the backstory feels a little bit out of place, and the, Mario really didn't like it. Me and Cole just thought it should have been a little bit tighter. The baby Grinch looked to me like um, you thought the, she was played by the same actress. Well, as I Cindy thought Lou. the little kid was Cindy <laughs> Lou, yeah, but the baby Grinch. The puppet. Santa, mm -hmm. yes. um, bye-bye. Have you guys ever seen, it was a uh, 90s sitcom called Dinosaur. It was yes. a dinosaur family. It was exactly like Baby, the dinosaur. Yeah. Yes. Mama, Dada. Yeah. <laughs> they oh, actually okay. just remade the same puppet. It looked the same. Covered yeah, in green hair. Yeah. Um, so, talk about the bad. Let's talk about the good a little bit. We do all like this movie at least a little bit. So, what is the best scene in How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I'll, I'll take this one first. So... I think for me, there's a. They do it well where you have some Grinchiness that happens very early in the movie where he goes down to Whoville and he has his antics as you're kind of getting introduced to him as a character, him the Grinch. And then you get another, what is actually the majority of the actual poem where he goes and he raids Whoville and takes away Christmas from them. And both of those are like some of my favorite moments because it's the thing I also recognize the most from the poem. And so I would go with just that first one, and I would even hope that to see it, if I had like my efficient fix combined here, I'm fine with there being a little bit more time spent on him just interacting in Whoville in those first moments being the Grinch. So like when he saws the bike in half and yeah. then it breaks and then he hands it to two little girls and he says, go run really fast with it. Like yeah. all of those small antics he does in that very opening scene as they're introducing who the Grinch is, is gold for me. And so that's mm -hmm. probably the scene I would show if I was like to convince somebody this is the best scene, watch Jim Carrey first introduce himself around the Who's. He does so much hysterical stuff. Like that I, I feel like, I don't want to give, I mean, I, I hope this is true, but I also hit it with pause. Like if how good the writing is versus how good the directing is versus how good Jim Carrey is, there just seems to me that there's plenty of times where Jim Carrey was ad-libbing things on top of his lines that fit so much more and that made it so much more funny. Right. Like case in point, sorry I'm talking a lot, but case in point, 
he shaves the mayor's head, kisses him on top of his head, and then you see him like kind of like spit his tongue a little bit, like, like he licks got his hair. lips. He, no, it's like oh, he's like yeah, he's yeah. like trying to spit out hair that he just quote got from yeah. shaving the guy's head. I'm like, that's so funny to do like the mannerism of like I gotta get my tongue clean from hair. Mm. Mario, what did you think was the best scene? Yeah, I think uh, along the same lines of Cole, um, that was kind of like almost like a little fix and uh, best scene. I think I remember thinking, I wish they would have spent a little more time in the intro in the Whoville uh, when he like sneaks down. I love the um, the mailroom scene. That's one of yeah. them. That's very iconic to me. I remember playing the video game when I was a kid, and there was like a mailroom level. It was a lot of fun. And I don't think I ever got past it because I was there a lot. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why I don't like it as much. Um, maybe you just weren't properly packaged. Yeah, but that to me was like our like the epitome of who the Grinch is in that scene. Uh, but other than that, to be a little different, I did really enjoy the scene where he goes back to his cave or lair, if you will, for the first time. Yes. And you get to see his weird place. Yes. Um, some of it was a little overdone for me, like when he's eating the garbage and the glass. Like, they try to make him as disgusting as possible. Um, but I really enjoyed, like, he's, like, with the banging monkey, and he's putting the head in the middle. Well, like, that's that's a little bit later. When no, he yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. anytime he's in the house. Yeah, anytime he's in his cave is Interacting with funny. Max, and Max is like, oh, why the hell am I matched with this guy? <laughs> but at the same time, he loves him. Um, I'll tell you, Max, I don't know why I ever leave this place. <laughs> <laughs> that was I awesome. love the echo scene. Yes. You're yes. an idiot! <laughs> I'm an idiot! You're an idiot! <laughs> and then he says something else. Fine. I'll just whisper. So by the time that my voice bounces off the walls and gets back to me, I won't hear it. You're an idiot! <laughs> like, that was great. That yeah. was comical to me. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. That was actually my second choice. I had written it down at first and then deleted it. Um, because anytime he's in his cave is hysterical. And I think that's part of the reason why the backstory feels a little flat is because it's like 15 minutes straight of the movie where you just cut Jim Carrey out of it when we've already said like what he's doing in this movie is incredible. Um, my best scene though is another scene in the cave, but it's when Cindy Lou Who comes up to invite him to the Hubilation. Like if I was going to show somebody like you should watch this movie, I would show that because it's Jim Carrey going nuts like in this scene. Yes. Like, when he's doing the thing where he's like, <laughs> he's like jumping in her face. I'm not scared. <laughs> kind of like the mask, his performance yes. in the mask. It's so funny, and, and that's when the the you're so overcome by fear. It starts that with might him be, with the that monkey. That might be my favorite Jim Carrey role. Sorry, not to the take mask. It. Yeah, that okay. that is probably his best okay. role. Sorry, keep going. But the her coming up starts with him with his head between the monkeys, uh, clappers, and then she's in there, and he realizes it, and he picks his head up, and then he breaks the monkey for yeah. some reason. It's it's so funny, and he's like telling. What do I her, wear? It's not a dress. It's a kilt. Oh my gosh! When he's dressing, and he goes, "Ooh, ah." <laughs> That's it, I'm not going. <laughs> like, he is just going nuts in that scene. He's so funny. So I think that's the funniest scene. The, the young actress that plays Cindy Lou Who is also very good. She does a good job of like being, like, I have to imagine there's so many times when, especially she's probably like 10 or 12 years old when she's doing this. I think she's that old, no way. Well, I don't know how old she is, probably but eight. she's not very old. And there's so many times where she just wants to die laughing. Yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey's just losing she it. Does she does a little she, giggle. Yes, she just has that little giggle yeah. that's perfectly in character. Not that creepy though. It's it's excellent. Have you seen her now? No. She's like a rock star. Like a, It's like punk rock. Yeah, she's in like a punk rock band. Yeah. Now. yeah she's got a very Avril look. She's mm. a babe. I mean, she's a cute little kid. We should ask her out. Yeah. No. Cindy, if you're listening. I can't. <laughs> so. I don't like your music. T Taylor Momsen. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Momsen. Momsen, yeah. yeah. Uh, so changing gears. What do you think is the worst scene in this movie? Like, if you would take this scene out, 
it improves the yeah. movie. I think you might be talking about the backstory again. Yeah, honestly, the only reason why it's lower on the list for me is because, again, I don't... It doesn't in interest me that much. Like, the whole story premise is fine. It was a little long, but the, the backstory stuff I just didn't need. I didn't... I didn't feel like... I didn't want to know about the... It's almost like, as a Star Wars fan, when they, like, told you they were going to give you a, uh... When they gave you a Han Solo backstory. And I thought Solo was an entertaining movie, but at the same time, I thought, I don't need to see it's this. who asked for this. Yeah, who yeah. asked for this? At, while I'm watching this part of the Grinch movie, I'm like, I could I was fine with just knowing that there's a guy who lived in the mountain who hated Christmas, and he hated that people loved it, and that's it. So, I don't know. I take those... Those scenes, they don't... I don't want to show anyone. I think if you show someone those scenes first... So like, I don't want to watch a backstory of the Grinch. Right. But you're already bought into the movie at that point because you've gotten the first yeah. uh, Grinch visit to Whoville. So it does kind of cancel out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird too because the Grinch is so... Like, how the Grinch stole Christmas is such an iconic aspect of Christmas for almost everybody. Like, you know, like Bryce said at the beginning that... It was a poem written back in the 50s, and then yeah. it became... Well, and Grinch is just common nomenclature now, like, right. like somebody's being Don't a be Grinch. a Grinch, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so it's weird, because, like, my default reaction was like, oh, like, there's this tension in movies to, like, give context to characters and people and stuff like that. But it's so weird in this case, because we have the context for the Grinch. We don't need his backstory. Yes, that's true. So, yeah, I, I, that is hard. Yeah, we already know who the Grinch is. It's kind of like... What Marvel did with when they had control of Spider-Man is they made a Spider-Man movie and they're like, we're not going to give the Spider-Man backstory. Like, people get it at this point. I will tell and you. You, just, you know what it is. As a Spider-Man fanatic, never in a million years did I thought that I think that would work. And I remember watching it thinking, this is going to do dis a disservice to the character. And then watch it and realize, oh, thank God. Yeah, everybody knows. Yeah. Tell us a different story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like you said, we kind of know who the Grinch is. He's a part of our culture at this point. Also... If you're introducing kids to the Grinch for the first time, I would assume that you would see the cartoon special first because it came on TV. It comes on TV every year. Well, hopefully, you read the book to your kids first. I want to say I saw the cartoon. No, no, I read. The, I definitely read the book first. Um, but if you see the Jim Carrey version first, it doesn't taint the original, but it just gives you like a different view of who the Grinch is. And I don't know. So don't know. let's talk about that a little bit because my next category is how does this movie meet the quote unquote Seuss standard, I call yeah. it. Um, and so I was specifically thinking um, they add some poetry, some rhyming couplets. By the way, this movie is narrated by Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I never knew that. Which is yeah. like crazy. A weird. So good. Like, let's get an AAA plus list actor to yeah. just narrate this but movie. But if you think about yeah. it, it's not weird. This was a, a huge budget That's movie yeah, with yeah. a huge budget actor. Like, right. this movie, do you know, did you see how much it made? Uh, it did well. It was the highest grossing Christmas movie, second highest grossing after Home Alone. Okay. Until the new Grinch came out and, and took that its place. Well, to get to the category, yeah, it grossed two hundred sixty million dollars. Wow, yeah. and in two thousand, I mean, that yeah, with inflation, that's probably like two hundred sixty-five. I mean, it nearly now. doubled its budget. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, gross. So, um, but not just talking about the poetry because I also want to touch on as well. Huge Mario, opening weekend. What you said uh, is one of the other big criticisms of the movie is they thought that the movie was a little bit too. I don't know if raunchy is the right word. No, I thought that. Yeah, for, I for a kids' that. movie, yeah. which is is interesting. So, what did you guys think? So, I agree that it was, but I'm glad that it was because it makes it easier to watch than just like a campy kitty Christmas movie. Especially when you when you cast Jim Carrey, you got to do something like that. Um, but 
how does it stand hold up to the Sioux standard? Yeah. I think it was great. Aside from the child part that we already destroyed, <laughs> the, the set pieces and just the little intricate details, there's a clock in his bedroom that has like three hands and it just keeps spinning around and around. Right. And I remember thinking, like Cole mentioned earlier, like it looks like it's in a theme park. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that you want to see watching the movie because it feels like you're reading a Dr. Seuss book. Right. You want to see stuff that looks like a prop. And I think they did very a very good job with that and then the dialogue as well. And I think with the dialogue and the poetry, like, so they've added in some lines, some of these rhyming couplets that blend like seamlessly to me with what Dr. Seuss would write. Uh, and so I thought that was really good because they blend it very naturally into the original words of the poem. Do you have any examples? Of you? I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know a lot of the opening narration by Anthony Hopkins is original to this movie, and it's it's kind of oh, rhymes really? the same way. Oh, see, I thought um, that was I thought he was reading. From the so it's like again, I don't have any specific examples, which isn't great, but. It, it's like a original thing and then he'll quote a little line from the movie and then do another original thing And so okay. it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. Cole, what do you think? I thought it does as well match up to the Seuss standard or the standard if you will that doesn't work <laughs> uh, It doesn't work um, <laughs> But I think even just tiny details for me. So yes to the set pieces, but also yes to like just the intro so you have Little tiny things like you have this tuba player walking in a, kind of a, a marching band, and out of his tuba comes a tiny truck. A smaller tuba player. That's yeah, CGI. Smaller trumpet 2000, player. classic CGI. 2000 yeah. CGI. Yeah, definitely 2000 CGI, but it also helps me immediately feel like I'm in a Seuss experience with all kinds of zany stuff like that. Like, there's nothing more Seuss than to have cars that would be designed more efficiently, but designed inefficiently on purpose, and like all the kind of weird interactions between people and the vehicles they use and what the clothing yeah the food on the clothing. yeah exactly like right. cindy lou who has a teacup on her head that's woven into her hair right uh martha may not martha who's uh martha may Huvier, is that mm -hmm. her name yeah martha may Huvier, like her her back then character her young self her braid is like in the letters abc yeah. like all those kind of things I are very that. yeah her hair is very like braided into Seuss. abc yeah so that's you know, I, I do think, like we talked about, that um, some of the, like, <clears throat> raunchy, I guess is the word we'll use to describe how they go a little bit more adult with some of the humor is out there. But, like, I also think, and I don't know, maybe I was a bit naive, but, like, kids probably miss a lot of that. Like, you oh, know, well, I, I missed I, it, yeah. I literally, for the first time ever, this specific watch, when... She's interviewing everybody about the Grinch. Mm -hmm. She's talking to the, are you two still living? Mm -hmm. You know, the w adopted mothers of the Grinch. And they go, oh, we were having one of our parties, our get-togethers, and it zooms in on the window, and you they're dropping their keys in a bowl, and that's a key I party. also oh, yeah. just noticed that. I literally I was I remember thinking, they have alcohol out. in Whoville? I was flipping out when I noticed that on this rewatch, because in every previous rewatch, my mind was, they're putting their keys in a bowl, so that they won't drive home after right. drinking. And then now... Oh, wait, a, that's what I still think it is. What's no, no, no. a key party? So a key party, back in the day, in the 70s when you had swingers, a key party <gasps> was you would, like, lottery, draw keys out of the bowl. Oh, my Whose gosh. Whose keys you grabbed, you went home with. 
Whoa, look at me being naive. And so married couples would go, and then you'd go home with a different oh, person. Oh, wow. There's that episode of that 70s show that talks about it, and red is not kosher. Too. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. Yeah. So I do think, like, a lot of, and that's true for a lot of movies. Like, Ooh, there's another thing that comes to mind real quick. Go for it. When they're putting the lights up in the house, what's her name, Mary? Mary May Huvier. She's wearing, like, these tights and mm -hmm. this, like, pretty scandalous. And she thing. has the light machine gun. For a Whoville <laughs> girl, <laughs> woman, she, it's pretty yeah. scandalous. She like mounts the thing and her legs are spread. And I remember oh, thinking, yeah, I remember thinking like, ooh, that's a sexual pose. And she's like thrusting the gun. I was like, oh, they're trying to show. They do a, a close up of her, like, you know, her chest and stuff. Well, especially because at one point the Grinch just falls and lands face first yeah. in her boobs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Even yeah, hi, Mary. <laughs> even sexual tension aside, and the one that Mari described, I find that scene also just as a side note hysterical when she is like literally gatling gunning the lights it's such a stupidly funny thing for me who's yeah, the mother of lindy's lindy lindy the Cindy actress Lou. or the yeah it's a superstar it's molly shannon, molly yeah. shannon yeah. Yeah. Superstar. who's very funny yeah um, she didn't do much but even another Not tiny one is the uh when they introduce the grinch baby and you have that moment where it goes oh hey honey a baby's here and then as he's closing the door he goes it looks like your boss. That's really funny. Oh too. my god! So All those small. things for adults that you only notice as you're an adult, I think, is yes, is true that unless kids you're don't me, pick you up know on what a tea party is. <laughs> so I again, I think it's fine. I think a lot of good children's movies work on two levels, and they maybe pepper in some jokes that go over kids' head. Uh, Shrek did this really well. Obviously, Shrek was PG, and you know it has some. It says the word ass, which I guess doesn't make it a kids' movie, but it has a lot of jokes like that that went over my head as a kid that I appreciate now as an adult. And, you know, we just talked about, like, on this rewatch of The Grinch, catching all those jokes that we missed when we were little. So I didn't mind it as much. A lot of the critics in their reviews were very harsh on the the raunchiness of it, which I thought was interesting. I guess it is a kid's movie, so what do you got to do? Is it PG? Uh, this movie is PG, yes. Okay. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about the song, because You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch has become kind of a Christmas staple. So the song, obviously, is not original to the book, but it was added to the 1960s uh, Christmas special. It was one of the ways they stretched the original poem to be 25 minutes long. Um, so I have a couple questions here. First of all, what do you guys think about the Grinch song as a Christmas song? How do you rate it? It's a fun one. It's definitely one where I routinely sing the wrong lyrics to. Just like, <laughs> Same. You kind of sing what you think it says. No one knows all of the lyrics to the Grinch song for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, there's definitely like anytime there's the... Your heart's an empty hole. Yeah. That might be hole one time I sing it. It might be just something else that sounds like hole the next time. You're as prickly as a cactus. You're as... Your balls are covered in snow, nope. Mr. Grass. That's not it. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Exactly. I would say, and you know, if you're a Christmas radio in the car person, like I, I can be sometimes, this is my favorite Christmas song to sing along to. Um, wow. You have the lyrics down? No, I don't have the lyrics down, but like you can just like sing it really loudly you're a foul and like one. sing the you know when you're singing along in the radio like you're not singing every single word all the time like you're just picking up the parts. Not you know. true for me. I know every word, every song I sing. Okay, Jerry. Um, but it's why like sometimes I get annoyed that like Christmas music stations just play the the really like opera operatic like oh. old Christmas songs and I'm like play or, some or some Mariah Jingle Bell Rock or you Mar know? Mariah Carey. I'm into Mariah Carey. I want, I want some. There was a radio station that played that within like a 10 minute frame. They played it twice. Good for that. I love it too. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I love that one. So I, I like the little, like, you know, beboppy. And so yeah. I, I love uh, The Grinch. You're I appreciate, Grinch. just as a side note too, in this category, is that 
Um, obviously, there's some like other vocals that are happening in it, but they do give Jim Carrey's voice a lot of the role in him singing yeah. his own song here. Right. It's not like the original version of, you know, you're a mean one. Funny, right. they never play his version on the radio. Um, right, they play the old version. Yeah. Uh, I do like the Grinch cr Christmas song. It's like a good short snippet of the, you know, brings you back to the cartoon and yeah, it's just a fun time for the whole gang. Yeah. So this movie tried to one up the Christmas special though, and they tried to add a new Christmas song, Where, Where Are You Christmas, you performed by Taylor Momsen. Well, and then I think, gosh, let me look. I wonder if she did it again as an adult, like hard rock style. So they released a single version that was, I think, like Reba McIntyre or something like that. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm gonna look it up real fast. Reba. Um, but what did you guys think of Where Are You Christmas? Do you feel like? Uh, it's it, a, oh, it's, I'm sorry, it's Faith Hill, my fault. Faith Hill, um, yeah. Older country yeah. music star. Faith. But what do you guys think of the Where Are You Christmas ballad it, as the... It's good, it's good for the movie. I can't stand it. If it comes on the radio, I don't want to listen to it. It's too slow. It's just a... I don't like it. That's just my take. Yeah, I think the only upside to Where Are You Christmas for me is they play the instrumental of it in the very, very end when the Grinch comes back to Whoville with all the presents. Right. You can hear it playing piano style, the riff of it, or whatever you want to call it, in the background, and that feels nice in that moment with the context of hearing her sing it. I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure for a child actor to sing a solo in a movie and it be good. Well, I'm sure it wasn't live. But no, still. yeah, but still, <laughs> like, obviously... There are some child singers. But that I'm are saying, do we know that she sang it? I mean, she probably she does perform it in the movie. Yeah, she oh, definitely 100% sang it. Um, and there's some tidbits there for later for me on her. Ooh. But Spicy. I don't know. I think for like, if you're just asking my opinion, I think it falls super flat from a delivery standpoint. Like her, if you just say like just being, I don't know what you would call it, but just her vocals aren't strong, and so easy Simon Cowell. And so <laughs> it like it gets a little. Kind of flat to me, like I, you know. Where are you, Christmas? Well, it's not, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, movies have this long history of, especially movies that are partially musicals or somewhat musicals, they have this desire to squeeze in like a ballad for their female lead, and I always hate it, a hundred percent of the time. Hot take. Like even in, especially in Aladdin, the new Aladdin. Um, I haven't seen it. Ooh, I, didn't, I actually I didn't hate that one as much. It wasn't one uh, that came to mind. So far, so you it. undersold it. Um, <laughs> it was delightful. It was delightful. So like going back, Wizard of Oz with Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is a song mm. I actually like, but it's one of the best songs. Doesn't fit well in the movie, in my opinion. Oh, hot! Uh, take. We go to Greece, and they added "Hopelessly Devoted to You" to Greece, so that uh, <gasps> don't like that either. Don't like that song. Oh, that song's bad in that movie. Wow. Do you guys hate women? <laughs> Mulan has reflection, which is like the worst part of that movie for me. Agreed. Okay, um, you, I'm back in. And it. so, and then with the Grinch, it has your hot takes getting a little colder the more I hear it. Where are you, Christmas? Agreed. And it feels like a lot of these movies try and force in a ballad that's oftentimes a good song. It just doesn't fit with the movie. You know what? Who has done it? I know I referenced Disney, but Disney does it usually really well. For example, I won't spoil it too much. It's cold to see, but Frozen Two threw in that ballad for. Well, it helps um, that Frozen Elsa? 2 has Adina Menzel, who's an Yeah, but all she didn't write singer. the song. No, I mean, her singing ability is incredible. Uh, no, until Unknown? Whatever the song was? Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to cry, because yeah. it was so brilliant. Um, and, and it's uh, and, and it's not really a ballad, like, in my understanding of the word. Like, it's, it's kind of upbeat, you know what I mean? 
And so yeah. like some of these ballads are like so slow that they slow the movie down. Into the Unknown in Frozen 2, which we're on a real tangent now, kind of picks the movie up a little bit. You, like, you get excited. I need to see Frozen 2. Really Frozen 2 is dope. Recommend, strongly recommend. Yeah, you don't have to recommend anime, animated movies to me. It's only a matter of time that I'll see all of them. Uh, so do you guys have a favorite Christmas song while we're here? Oh, yeah. What is it? Mine is very obscure. It's Silver Bells, but it's not Silver Bells a song. Santa's I mean, it's, big not, scene? it's not the usual version. It's Harry Connick Jr.'s oh, version. Oh, okay, okay. It's a jazzy version. And then I love Bing Crosby's White Christmas, especially the whistling. You get it. Yeah, we know I like Christmas Love songs. it. Exactly. There's so many good Christmas songs. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I'm with you 1,000% on the classical aspect of things. So, like, I also love Bing, Bing Crosby's White Christmas. But I love it in the weirdly same way as I also love Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is for you. Like, I can listen to this back to back just on repeat yeah. Yeah. and have a very nice Christmas time. Um, so, I did, I did take a shot at the, like, kind of old school operatic Christmas songs, but my favorite Christmas song actually would fall in that genre. It's um, Holy Night, or some people call it Oh Holy Night. Yeah. Just because it is like a song that like when sung by a really strong vocalist can just be a powerhouse song. You would be very pleased to hear that my junior year college, my roommates and I made a Christmas CD. I was the lead singer and we did that song. Y'all made a Christmas I have it here with me. You'll have, you have a hard time beating Carrie Underwood's version. My roommate <laughs> was a musician and he had a little recording studio, so we made a little album. And I will play that for you later. But yeah, when someone like Carrie Underwood or Adina Menzel, who we just mentioned, it, I had been called the Night. Carrie Underwood of 1073 Minneapolis. By the people who've heard you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even look at you right now. Um, you mess with me? So let's get back to Jim Carrey, who is the best part of this movie and the best part of this podcast. The only part of this movie. Um, what is Jim. Jeffrey Tambor, though, isn't this? What's the Grinchiest moment in this movie? What funny or random Grinch thing just gets you? Um, anything he does in the cave, yeah, because it's new to me. I like when he puts the, the like the the screws and the nails and the blenders to drown out the sound, mm -hmm. and then he starts eating the glass and yes. the echo scene. Like I said, just anything that just shows how he's like a disgusting garbage eater. He like gets the the like was it sulfuric acid or nitric acid in the bags of garbage oh he gets the toxic sludge, toxic sludge. yeah someone's trash like another man's another man's trash is another man's potpourri <laughs> yeah potpourri yeah so that's that's probably the grinchiest moment for me yes what about you cole Ooh, oh go, go ahead. for it no oh, yeah yeah that sounds I, like me go ahead it's a very very specific moment when they give him they crown him uh what's it who whatever yeah. it is Cheermeister. Yeah, they're feeding him. Don't steal, don't steal mine right now. Okay, well, well that, it, it's it, well, it's the fudge scene. Is that okay, yours? Okay, go fudge. When go they're fudge. feeding him the fudge, mm. and he's got to taste the fudge, and it, you hear him say, Give it to me! Harder! More! <laughs> like, you expect him to say stop, but he's like... Yeah, he's like resolved that he's going like, to eat all of it. Oh, he's shoving the fudge in. Yeah, like the second guy shoves it in, and then finally he's like... Ah! <laughs> yes. It's Wolverine. Uh, but no, I'll... Step into mine by stepping through what Mario just said when I threatened to punish him if he stole mine. Punish me. <laughs> um, is in that same scene when he becomes Cheermeister, one of my favorite just out of nowhere comments is when he's going through the pudding tasting or whatever it is. Like yeah. Whatever. People are putting pudding in his mouth and you have this guy who looks like Einstein yes. and he goes, this is not pudding. <laughs> As he puts it into his mouth and you see him like spit it out and he goes, then what is it? Like, 
there's something about that line that gets me every single time. It's hysterical. It's and, not necessarily the grinchiest moment, but man, yeah. little moments like that get me in this movie. There's, and we've talked about a bunch of Mario. There's so many like small, little, funny things that Jim Carrey does and little lines mm -hmm. that they give him, or maybe he ad libs. They just crack me up every time. But my very favorite one is when he goes over his schedule as a reason he can't go to yes. Oh yeah, Pumulation. that's a great moment. So I pulled it up because it's so funny. He goes, even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. 4 o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. 5 p.m., solve world hunger. Tell no one. <laughs> 5.30, jazzercise. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. 7 p.m., wrestle with myself, loathing. I'm booked. <laughs> like that's hey, did you say like stop enough time to go home and stare at the ceiling for the <laughs> yeah, and slip slowly into madness. If I bump the self-loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. Yeah. But what would I Very wear? Very relatable. <laughs> Very relatable. But it's so funny. Some other grinchy things for me. Um, even just the very beginning, this is something that Lindsay pointed out to me that I thought was super keen. Oh yeah, people helping you now. Um, oh yeah, I got I got inside tips. Um, so the Grinch's introduction that, into this movie is super, super well done mm -hmm. from, a, from a reveal standpoint. Right. Um, so Jim Carrey, like, it's obviously, it's Jim Carrey, the actor, in a suit, right? It's not like him speaking the voice of an animated character. Or it's like, not like CGI or motion capture. Either. Right. Like yeah. it, it's a real suit. That's so, why I love it. It took place in 2000. And so I think there's, like, a lot to be said for that with how they reveal him, where you get these moments where... The very first thing you see of him is not his face. You just get to see his gut, and then you see <laughs> his hands, and then his back, and his feet, and his mouth up close, and you see like his layers of weird teeth. Yeah. And then finally, when he turns to the camera, is your first face reveal of the Grinch. And there's like something to be said for me in that, where it's like, man, that's such a great kind of introduction of a character. Obviously, I'm not going to compare it in terms of overall caliber, but it's like the beginning of Silence of the Lambs. Where you finally get seen introduced wow. to to Hannibal, uh, where the very first moment you finally get to see him after you walk down this whole lane of psychopaths and people who are crazy in their cells, like going nuts off the walls, and then you see just this guy sitting patiently, he's, he's standing up with his yes, hands, behind yes, standing his back. up with his hands behind his back, and hello, Cuddies. Yeah. So oh, I'm not saying the Jim Carrey is better. That's a, that's a <laughs> comparison. Is that it's considered a horror? Science of yeah. Lance is a horror movie. Yeah. Horror what do you mean considered? It is, it, it is. is? Okay, I've never seen it. <laughs> it's really good. I saw you got a horror thriller, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a horror thriller. That's yeah, yeah. a good way to describe it. Um, not the Grinch. Not the Grinch. So, <laughs> this week, uh, Tidbits is generously sponsored by the Whoville Chamber of Commerce. So, thank you to Mayor Who um, for sponsoring us. Do you guys have any fun tidbits in your yes. internet research about the Grinch? I have one. They're, they're, so, they're, they wanted to do a remake. Live action remake with Joaquin Phoenix. Wait, they want to now? Yeah, it's called Grinch. It's a dark backstory. This isn't real. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, my tidbit. So Max is his phone. Um, <laughs> what's that? Max, Max is, is his phone. phone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no. So we were talking about Jim Carrey in the suit. One thing that makes the movie very, very well done for its time is that they used all these practical effects. Whereas if, if they were have to done, have done it today, you think maybe they'd do something like they did with the Incredible Hulk, where it's motion capture, etc. Jim Carrey spent a total of 92 days in the suit, and it took him three hours every time they had to put the thing on. So, it was made of yak hair, 
and they sewn together each hair individually. Could you imagine how hot that thing was? So a little more backstory on that, because it's insane. So this movie did win an Oscar for Best Makeup. So I was going to ask you if yeah. it even got nominated. Yeah, it won. Um, the very first time they put the makeup and suit on him took eight hours. Oh my god. And he was so upset that allegedly he uh, kicked a hole in the wall of his trailer and he was like, I'm, I'm out, I can't do... With the costume on? I can't do eight hour makeup put on every no day. No way, because then how do you... Because then how do you film, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and so apparently, allegedly to train him, they brought in a CIA operative who specialized in... Um, training agents how to endure extreme torture techniques Dude, shut up. to coach Carrie crap. to remain calm during the makeup application. Is he a difficult um, guy to work with, you know? Have you heard? Uh, Do you know? I don't... I have not heard that, so I don't okay. know. I've heard that either my just third-party viewpoint is that maybe potentially nowadays he seems a little more difficult to work with as he's maybe become Megastar. more of a character of himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like kind of crazy. Jim Carrey, the person with a beard who paints. But they, maybe... He's kind of Tom Cruised himself. <laughs> what? He he's went not... on a cruise! They uh, they did, like Mario mentioned, they cut the makeup process down to two and a half hours. Oh. And so he was able to mm. live with that in one hour getting it off. And I didn't um, want to deface the cruise there, if he's listening. Yeah, we of course. You. Tom, come you, Tom. on anytime. Open invitation. Uh, if we're free. Any, or do you have any other tidbits, Mario? No, that was my main one. Cole? Uh, so a few of mine. So... First one is Martha May Huvier, uh, played by Christine Baranski. Yeah. Uh, my wife pointed out that she's from her favorite movie, which is Mamma Mia. Uh, she plays Here we one go of the again. elder women that are, you know, living their glory days back there. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I think this time returning to this movie, Mayor Augustus Who Mayhu is Jeffrey Tambor, <laughs> uh, who I adore in Arrested Development. <laughs> yes. Um, and George so, Michael Senior. Exactly, yeah. George Michael Senior. Um, There's always money in the George. banana stand. He's oh, he's just George. Michael, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's he's uh, he's great in this movie and also great in Arrested Development. Uh, but Taylor Momsen, who plays Cindy Lou, who I wanted to look her up, and this was another just I have to give credit to Lindsay because I had no idea about this. But this is another big um, trivia drop: is she was third in the running for being Hannah Montana. Whoa! So she. Was like she had auditioned for it. Who was second? Auditioned for the character. Um, Who's first? And uh, obviously, my Miley Cyrus ended up getting the role, but she was like one of the final top people who was considered for the role of Hannah Montana. Did Lindsay just know that, or did she look it up? Lindsay knew that. What? Uh, What I can't believe her favorite movie's Mamma Mia. Well, she loves it. Watch it a lot, don't you? Well, she loves musicals. So that's uh, I've never seen it, I shouldn't say. I also love musicals, so I, I don't know why I said it with that context. I like musicals. We all like musicals. We do. Yeah. yeah. Sherry! Sherry, baby! Which the is second person who just sang was, was Cole. Sherry! That's, that's a lie. That's me again. That's no. me again. Wow, I Cole, your so voice good. is wonderful. Stop lying! <laughs> I hate this. Any other tidbits, Cole? No, that's it for me. So, my last little tidbit is about the buy process of this movie because the what process? The process purchase. for them to purchase oh, this buy, movie for like Universal. B-Y. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Seuss, obviously very prolific, wrote a ton of children's books, um, and he, up until his death, refused to sell the rights for them to be adapted into feature films. Um, but he passed yeah. away in 1991. Was he a doctor, by the way? He was not a doctor. So the joke is, his name is Theodore Geisel, is Dr. Seuss's real name. The joke is he uses his pen name because his parents wanted him to be a doctor. Oh, that's kind of clever. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, so, on his death, his widow uh, 
basically set very strict parameters for what she would allow for this to be adapted into a movie. And so The Grinch was the first adaptation of any Dr. Seuss property. And so she had very strict things, including she said, quote, any actor submitted for The Grinch must be of comparable stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, or Dustin Hoffman. So she was basically like, no one gets to be The Grinch unless they're an AAA list actor. Okay. Um, and they got one of those specific And people. so that's why Universal Pictures brought in, um, well, originally it was just Brian Grazer, who's Ryan Howard, uh, Ron Howard's movie-making partner. Um, and she was like, Brian Grazer's not big enough. Bring me Ron. <laughs> and so that's how Ron Howard gets attached and Jim Carrey gets attached. Um, and she, I'm sure, got a huge cut of it. I'm sure Tom, um, Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady's not in this movie. <laughs> I'm sure Jim Carrey got a tremendous payday. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did as well. Yeah, that backstory sounds similar to the Mr. Banks movie, just in terms of like somebody right. who's unwilling to kind of share. Wait, is that the Disney movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she wanted to honor her husband, who was like, I don't want to do it. And she, I think, you know, it's almost 10 years later after his death, is like, well, we could do a movie as long as it's done correctly. Yeah. Um, and so obviously some of the Dr. Seuss movies have been hit or miss. The Cat in the Hat's considered pretty bad. Mike Myers. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. The Grinch is considered average by but most I really people. Enjoyed, loved by us. I enjoyed the Lorax. Lorax is really good as well. And I also enjoyed... That was the animated one? Huh? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 with Danny DeVito as the oh, Lorax. Yeah. yeah, which is good. And I also enjoyed Horton Hears a Who, which yeah. is Jim Carrey as well. Yeah. Is it really? He's, mm -hmm. I think he's the voice of Horton. Huh. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it was interesting. Very intense uh, by process. That's There's a whole, whole lot of details who he there. listens to the Who, the band, right? Yes, no, that's exactly what it is. I knew that. I think it's a Who song. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Seems anyway. Seems a little too on the nose. Yeah. Um, last question, our Christmas movie section. Uh, does the Grinch belong in the junk drawer? I'm going to start. I'm going to say yes. I know we said yes to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Um, there are a handful, very select few Christmas movies that I wouldn't put in the junk drawer, um, but this is not one of them. I think this is the quintessential Christmas junk drawer movie. Hmm. That's all I will say. Interessante. Cool. Interesting as well. Would you like to hear the, the ones that I wouldn't put in? No. I'm not interested. Go ahead, Cole. Okay. <laughs> White Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life. Holiday Inn. Like the classics. So like any Christmas movie from before 1960? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. 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 When acting... Acting! Was super elevated because yeah. you said the emotion you were... Mary! Uh, <laughs> you want the moon, Mary? Look how mad I am! I'm angry! I can tie a lasso around it and bring you the fucking moon, you ungrateful wife! I... It's the uncut version. Yeah, nope. it is the uncut version. True. So, I... <laughs> I have a hard time seeing a movie not be in the junk drawer, but be on Netflix. Um, and so... We, like, everything's on Netflix. What are you talking about? Well, what, so... The Irishman? From a... It was from made a, by Netflix. But this has been on Netflix for a long time. Like, it goes on and off like most movies do, though. I think fight, fight, I, I'm not fight. disagreeing yeah, with yeah, it, yeah. being in the junk drawer. I just think it being on Netflix is not a junk drawer. You guys should fight from like a from like a sales standpoint. I'm not saying it from that perspective. Like I don't think like it, it, you the logic wouldn't make sense that if something's on Netflix, yeah. it'd also be available. But, but I just think a lot of movies that end up on Netflix for a very long time are symbolic of movies gotcha. you'd also find. So you're saying like if it's a movie that's always on Netflix no matter what, then it's a well, junk drawer. And there's a sense wise. that this one returns right. year after year. Maybe it's not, maybe it's you a, can't watch the They always cycle it on around Christmas. Exactly. Sure. I think that 
categorizes it for me as yeah. junk drawer. I, I see what you're saying because I was gonna say like some of the best movies of all time cycle onto Netflix. But yeah, I oh, be like, maybe junk drawer <laughs> or The <laughs> Great Godfather. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> junk drawer. That will never be on Netflix. Jaw. The Godfather was on Netflix. Are you yeah. kidding? Like Bar a couple months ago. Yeah, oh, part three. I all have three it. parts. Part right? three. No, all three parts. I thought it was gonna be like Godfather part three. Science of the Lamb cycles Comedy. on Netflix. Um, Jaws cycles on Netflix. Some you know movies exactly. that are considered goats. Jar Tokyo Drift. Jars. <laughs> Yes, What's jars. jars? It's a movie about containers. It's far <laughs> For me, that's yeah. a no for me. No junk drawer for yeah. the Grinch. Yeah. My favorite Christmas movie, and I think that you entitled <clears throat> prick. Like I think I think I said this. Oh, we didn't talk about Elf, but I would say the same thing for Elf. That like Elf is not in there. You're right. Christmas, like great Christmas movies, not junk drawer for me. I think the junk drawer Christmas movies to me and my like understanding of it is like these Hallmark movies that. I hate that are like you yeah, know. Yeah, those are um, shit. That's on the shit. That is so, true. I'm really, gonna rescind my. I'm gonna rescind. Yeah, Stu, that is cool. <laughs> that is cool. I'm taking mine back out of the junk drawer. Oh, um, you know what? I'm not. But I what I will say is, in terms of another caliber of our junk drawer rating is movies that we like that we think are underrated to other people. 100%. Because obviously, this one did not do very well critically. And I think it's great. And like, truthfully, like, not trollingly, I think this is a good movie. Not like a good bad movie. I think it's just a good movie. And so I'm surprised by how low some of the critics were on. That is true. And actually, I'm going to put mine back in the junk drawer now. <laughs> <laughs> Can we give a shout to Frau, who made an appearance in this Frau movie? Frau Farbissena. Yeah. yeah Shouts yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. 30. Yeah. 29. 27. So, anyway... <laughs> Um, that's it. We have one more special guest Christmas episode coming at you next week. Uh, then we're going to take a break for the new year and we'll be back in January. With um, a very special episode. So in that little break that we're going to take, please send us any of your recommendations. We're, we're, we got some recommendations in the pipeline already. We're going to try and get those out. But if you would like to recommend a movie to us, please send them to AskTheJunkDrawer at gmail.com. We're kind of a big deal. We're on Google Mail. You ever heard of it? <laughs> or you can tweet at us at 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 junk underscore pod. Um, we are on the Twitter as well. Um, and yeah, drop us your recommendations. We'll, we'd love to do uh, some, some movies that people are interested in. Cool. Um, Neat. All right. So, uh, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Wrong movie. Sherry. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time.